0: If you have your Bibles or your iPhone or iPad or whatever electronics that I may know nothing about yet because I'm usually running behind, <laughs> Matthew chapter 2, we're going to start there. I want to say a special welcome to Mr. Rogers today in service with us, and we're in prayer for your bride today and have been for weeks. This is Shelley's mother and her dad, first time that I've had... I think you've been in church with us, is that right? I'm so glad to see you today. And uh, saw them at the wedding, but didn't get to spend any time with them. And glad to have you here. All of you who are guests, first-time guests, thank you for coming. And uh, all those of you who are on the streaming video, welcome to our time together. I love Christmas, don't you? I really love Christmas. And I, I want us to go to the Christmas story and I want us to look at it in a, in a light from today's perspective, if we can. I'll just let you remain seated, just be reverent to the uh, Word of the Lord. Here's the recording that Matthew heard from the Spirit of God as he recorded the events that changed the world. Verse 1 of chapter 2, Matthew, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem saying where is he who is born king of the Jews for we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him disturbing disturbing news for the king who thought he was king verse 3 isn't it amazing how people get to a certain point and they try to be kings of their own lives how many of you know that we are subject to a creator. Here's Herod's reaction when Herod the king heard that is the king of Judea, heard that he heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. The reason being if he's troubled, and we'll hear about him later, you had a right to be troubled. All Judea all Jerusalem verse 4 and when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born I want you to notice this is the coming of Christ he has been prophesied for hundreds thousands of years and these scribes knew the prophecy it came to pass just like every prophecy that God has ever prophesied it either will come to pass or it has come to pass verse 5 so they said to him in Bethlehem of Judea for thus it is written by the prophet he's talking about Micah but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah for out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Don't think that didn't upset Herod. Verse 7, Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Watch the deceiving words, but you can't take it out of the heart. Go and search carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Verse 9 is important. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy something eternal was in front of these men and they knew it verse 11 and when they had come to the house they saw the young child with mary his mother fell down and worshiped him and when they had opened their treasures they presented gifts to him gold frankincense and myrrh then being divinely warmed in a dream that they should not return to herod they departed From their own country another way. Ladies and gentlemen, don't take the facts of the Christmas story and a prophecy being fulfilled. And the truth of God's word, don't think it's happenstance. The Spirit of God controlled it all, even warning the wise men not to return to Herod. Aren't you glad God takes care of His plan? Father, bless us today. Let us walk through this, Lord, this morning, God in this year of Christmas and may it find a place Lord that lodges deeply within our heart I pray it for the glory of our Christ Amen. Each year our lives change especially this year I will not because I do not need to describe it I don't have to tell you you and I are ever living in a changing world I believe every year we have to approach the Christmas season in a different manner each year it seems like Christmas and its approach It takes on and touches a different aspect of our lives I know that when I was five Christmas meant gifts And it meant fun And it meant fudge It meant grandma's house and fudge And it meant other grandma's house and fudge It meant toys and fudge And say what you want God's One of the God's great gifts is fudge Amen. (laughs) I just just want us to note some things about what those that were involved did the first Christmas. And I think it's a picture of us today. I think it's also great instruction for us today. Not only what they did, but the gifts they brought. I want to start with Herod Antipas. He was called by some Herod the Great. He was probably the only ruler of Palestine who successfully, in a sense, kept the peace for any length of time. So he was, albeit by a very dictatorial means, he kept peace for a while, a long time, longer than anyone else. And to give him credit for what he was as a human being, this man was a great builder. He built much of Jerusalem in its time. But Herod had a terrible flaw. Jealousy ruled his life. It ruled his heart. No wonder the Old Testament prophets said, Guard your heart above all things, because it is deceitful deceitful and desperately wicked. That's how Jeremiah described it. The psalmist said, Guard your heart above all things, for out of it issues life, and out of a heart full with jealousy... This directed Herod's concept and his response toward Christmas. If Herod even suspected that someone had an eye on his throne, that person was writing their own obituary early. Herod's suspicious, jealous nature caused him to murder his, one of his wives, Miramne even murder her mother, Alexandria. He murdered one of his brothers-in-law. He even murdered two of his own sons. They lost their life for the same reason, jealousy. The Roman Emperor Augustus once commented about Herod. He said something like this, It was better to be Herod's pig than to be his son. This was a murderous man because he had a heart problem. And when he heard the news about the birth of a king born king of the Jews, he thought he was king of the Jews and Judea. He had no thoughts about a savior being born. He had no concept or thoughts about a lamb that would come to pay the sin of all ages. His number one concern was his throne. You know who was on the throne of Herod's heart? Herod was on the throne of his heart. You know what was most important to Herod? The Holy Trinity of me, myself, and I. And ladies and gentlemen, we live in a world that is quite selfish as that. His concern was his self and his throne. He was afraid when he heard. He knew the supernatural. He heard the prophecy and they brought it after hundreds of years to him and he knew this was the Christ. He was afraid that this Bethlehem baby, pronounced a king, would interfere with his lifestyle, with his position, with his place, with his empire and all that he wanted to accomplish. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we pretty much like being God of our own lives, don't we? Let us be careful that we don't take on the selfish realm of this world and allow it to rule our hearts. Herod, that first Christmas, literally set out to destroy Jesus. Modern historians have, have commented about it. I studied it some. Let me just tell you this. These modern historians say that Matthew, where he wrote, Herod tried to kill the Christ, we read it. And all those young boys who were two years old and younger, and then we know later on they went to the house, the trip to Egypt. It was all called, the when they had the, he had the children destroyed, it was called the massacre of the innocents. That's a term we should bring back to 2020, because it is happening as we speak. Ladies and gentlemen, I know it's Christmas, but I want to tell you something. The enemy that was there to destroy lives then is of course present to destroy lives today. Today modern historians say that Herod never tried to kill him, kill the child at all. Today modern historians say it's not true, there's no record of a threat. And when you get over to Luke, where the verse 1 and 2, Chapter 1 says there was a decree set out that all should be registered. And verse 2 says that they were required to fill out a census. Our modern day historians say those things are not true. There's no evidence that there was ever a census demanded nor received in Herod's reign. I just want to say something important here. We do not need secular history to validate the eternal word of God. Many do not want to accept this truth today. They don't want to accept it because for them, if they accept it to be true, it places on them an obligation to have to submit self to God and that we have to understand that He is the final authority. Wow. Wow. Herod, can I say in a modern day term, he blew it. Secondly, let's look at the scribes a minute. These were the professional religionists. These were the adamant churchgoers, and I thank God for adamant churchgoers, but it has to be a heart thing too. These were the letter of the law keepers. These were those who prided themselves in how accurately they were religious. What did they do with the first Christmas? Their religious life, ladies and gentlemen, would go on, right on, without Jesus. He made absolutely no difference in their life at all. Their lives were taken up with ritual and legalities. You know what the scribes did at the first Christmas? They simply ignored Christ. He meant nothing to them. There are like the picture of scribes all over our world today who just choose to totally ignore everything about the eternal book and what God has done. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to live like the scribes. And the third one I want to look at is the wise men. Thank God for the wise men. They were called wise for a reason. Unlike Herod and the scribes, these marvelous men journeyed many, many miles across a heated desert to study their history. Most of the time they would travel at night because... It was cooler and try to rest in the heat of the day. They traveled all those miles for the sole privilege of giving gifts to the feet of Jesus and to worship God's Christ. We do not know that there were three, of course. We do that because there were three gifts. We don't know if there were ten. We do not know. They had come a long distance, that we do know, to deliver those gifts. Most accurately, probably, from Persia. And it took, some say, almost two years to arrive. The, verse 11, we read, say, didn't say they came to the manger, it said they come to the house with their gifts. But the point is, is what gifts they were. They brought, first of all, gold. Because gold is the gift for a king. Perhaps the wise men understood that the Christ of God never came To take any throne or any heart by force. He did not come to lead armies with weapons. And destroy the lives of people. Yet even at his birth. He is heralded the king of the Jews. And the king of kings. He would do so and rule as king of kings. Because he would come and rule in the hearts. And the consciences. Through love of all generations. They brought gold fit for a king. They also brought a gift called frankincense because that is the gift for a priest. All through the Old Testament, those priests every day could smell the aroma of the frankincense in all the old temple sacrifices. It was an amazing thing. You get close to the presence of God and there was this beautiful aroma that came out of that frankincense. And by the way, it was it was especially designed of God. Can I say the recipe was given and it had to be precise. So precise for that aroma, God wanted it to be different than any other aroma on the earth. And he said to anyone that misuses it, it was dangerous. But a priest in his, in his job, in his priestly duties, he knew that sweet smell of fragrance as he went about the duties Can I say of building a bridge between God and men? As a matter of fact, the Latin word for priest is pontifex. It literally means a bridge builder. But what a bridge Christ would build toward men. He built a bridge from our lowly, sinful estate all the way so that you and I could be declared holy and righteous. Ladies and gentlemen, that was a span before he came admission to God's presence was allowed only by the chosen high priest people couldn't just come and go into the sanctuary but Christ opened the way for every man every woman every young person every child his life his death and resurrection made it possible for whosoever will that wishes to inherit eternal life. And whosoever will, will enjoy the richness of God's presence. I don't just have a head knowledge of a prayer, God, I believe in you. I don't just have a knowledge of, well, I believe the Bible is God's word. I have something far greater. I go in to the presence of God himself, and he communes with me, and I commune with him. Frankincense The sweet smelling aroma Of the priest And they brought a third gift It was called myrrh Because myrrh is the gift Of one who is to die Myrrh was used For embalming From the nature of this gift Mary knew ladies and gentlemen From the very beginning She knew from that beginning That Jesus had come To give his life for the sins Of of the world. He was the greatest of preachers, yet he didn't come to preach. He was a great philosopher and his lofty ideas weren't just designed to be an example alone. In Judea, in Galilee, there were hundreds and thousands of people by this preacher philosopher who had been healed. But that's still not why he came. This Christ, Jesus, came to seek and to save that which is lost. To give life to them as the atoning sacrifice presented to Calvary. The Christmas story is the beginning of a grand message. It marches on through, thank God, through Easter. It moves the Christ from Easter to an, not only a resurrection, but an ascension. And the message is victory in salvation. You know, at best, we're faulty, aren't we? At our best, we are human beings. With all the trappings of human failure, the message of salvation, ladies and gentlemen, is important. So, what did Herod do with the first Christmas? He chose to rebel against God and salvation. He set himself against the only begotten Son of God. Most of the great buildings, as I said, Herod actually constructed, but now they lie all but forgotten in the dust. At best, they are archeological ruins, but Herod's soul and spirit is still very much alive, but it's far too late for him to change his decision. The scribes, what did they do with the first Christmas? They chose to ignore it. These these are represented today by we, we can do that too if we're not careful. We gather about a tree, perhaps in our families with our home, and we exchange beautiful presents and millions without even thinking of the real purpose of the glorious season. We've made it so common that it's a time where lovers share gifts, where parents and children share gifts, and where it's a great meal and a great time of fellowship, but like the scribes. where Well, that's religion and I believe in God and church is something for Easter and Christmas. But I want to point you again to the wise men. What did they do the first Christmas? They chose to come to Christ. They chose, even with great inconvenience and great time and cost to themselves, those men brought all their guards because they had these very valuable gifts. They traveled with great numbers for protection. All those miles, all that trouble to come and kneel at Jesus' feet and to worship Him and to present to Him the best gifts that they could offer. Well, we've heard this story many times, haven't we? So why is it we respond differently? What do we do, ladies and gentlemen? Let me just be bottom line. What do we do with Christmas of 2020? We live in a violent and sinful world, don't we? We live in a world right now that is very uncertain. Just last evening, I saw an advertisement on television. I don't know who did it. I I didn't pay much attention to it. I just saw it begin to... Turn and it was showing somebody's face And it said I don't know how to cope with this hour And it went through several concepts of What do I do? How do I know about tomorrow? And it was portraying The fact that people are really struggling With what we're dealing with today I would not even start To minimize that at all But I have to tell you I realize it must be much worse for many people. It must be a miserable thing to be, to be going through the year 2020 and have no relation with God. It must be lonely. It must it must be earth-shattering. It must be filled with questions and insecurity and what do I do and it must be filled with absolutely no hope and a sense of security is not even to be had ladies and gentlemen I, I will just tell you something nothing of me but because of Christ I don't live in that panic I don't live in that fear I do not live in that question I do not live with that stirring in my soul because I know whom I have believed and I'm convinced and persuaded he is able to keep what I commit to him I want to follow the wise men because they're the ones who understood real wisdom It's easy to feel vulnerable and insecure in this hour. It's easy to look at human reason and go, wow, look at this. It's spiritually upsetting, can I say, for even believers to see our world. It bothers me deeply to see our world covered in deceit. I'll tell you, there's two sides of me I feel. I feel frustration and even get angry at people who are deceived because of the lies and the deceit that Satan's using them to spread. But I have to take it back to, where did it come from? Amen? It bothers me, it upsets me. It's, it's, it's unsettling to, to see the, the deceit. But I want to suggest this morning that we do one thing, And that's follow the example of the wise men. Let me suggest, they went to see the Christ with great inconvenience and great cost. They knelt at the feet of God, the Savior. They brought the best gifts they could have. Can I tell you what those gifts were? Those gifts were, first of all, their obedience. Secondly, they brought themselves they obeyed the drawing, wooing of the Spirit. Then they gave themselves, and thirdly, they gave their time and treasure. As twice-born sons and daughters, let us, from this special day, take the light that we have received. And we are called light, are we not? Let us take the light God's given us to this present darkness.